1: Suds, 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 it's time for more Suds. Oh yeah, it is definitely time for more Suds. Welcome everybody to the Sud segment where good beer meets bad radio. I am good old boy Mike and joining me here at the table is good old boy Dave.
2: Uh, you know what you are? You're, you're one of those little uh, fancy lads, aren't you? <laughs>
0: He's so fancy. Davis,
2: fancy. What's the hang time of
1: preparation you have for each clip? Like twelve minutes? You three, know, three seconds. Three seconds. Yes. I can. I can imagine all this somewhere in between, for sure. <clears throat> also sitting uh, radio left to me is good old boy
2: Tim.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Tiny Tim. <laughs> 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 I like that
2: one. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, also known as the Golden Jet. It's good to be here. <laughs> I heard a protest from the other side of the room, that's for sure I'm glad she's on the other side She can't quite reach me to murder me
1: Yes, listen, don't hit unsubscribe just yet
0: Until I finish introducing good old boy Kendall I've been doing this for at least four years Why don't I get a a clip?
3: You're fab, (laughs) you're switched on, you're a bit of all right
0: (laughs) Happy to be here
1: also joining us is the most desperate uh, Blackhawks fan uh, sitting at the table. <laughs> Excuse good old, you? Good old gal, <laughs> Julia.
3: Oh, my.
4: <laughs> Cannot believe you said that. That's so rude. Hi, I, folks. Hi.
3: She lost her voice. She's Are so you going to claim you're right the
1: golden jet? No. Right. No?
3: There
4: is only okay. one golden jet.
1: Golden. Bobby Hall. Hey, yeah, that's wow. me. <laughs> How'd you know that? Well, today is a celebration. (laughs) What we're celebrating is the fact that none of us are the golden jet. We're celebrating (laughs) beer, of course. I know, it's silly. We're talking about flagship February, a month to celebrate and support those beers that a brewery built its business on and the ones that mm, sadly often get lost in the shuffle thanks to the notoriously shortest tension span theater of the typical Craft beer nerd. I'm so hipster. I need my PBR that was like, you know, from
3: 1972, man. You can't drink big beers and fit into those skinny pants.
4: Wait a second, Were they? do they know anything about 72? They weren't even born in 72.
0: Oh, yes, I was. Because, I wasn't even born yes, in 72. Right. I think there's a beer store on Dickerson Road where you can still get PBR from 72. Yes, I'm sure, yeah. Right. I
1: think you can get a lot of things from 1972 over there as well. So,
0: Her name's
3: Gladys.
1: Yeah. Before you try to attempt to crawl out of this creative hole, this Sud segment
3: is actually brought to you by the Clear Beer Consortium. Hazy beer? We say it's lazy beer. That's right, brewers. We're here, we're clear, and we can see right through what you're doing. Actually, we can't, and that's the problem. You might think it's okay to serve an IPA that, well, it looks like a bowl of oatmeal. But why should we settle when you won't even let your yeast settle? Beer drinkers of the world, it's time to stand up and say, Don't haze me, bro.
1: Don't haze me, bro. Don't haste me, bro. Mm. (laughs) Oh, man, you know? It actually did not suck, you
0: know? I think it sucks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. I think
3: it
1: sucks. All right, all right. right. (sighs) It almost sounded like a Canadian, uh, desperate Canadian fan. Hockey fan. All right. (laughs) Uh, Well, um, Thanks for uh, tuning in to this episode. Don't turn us on just yet because Dave is about to tell us
2: all about flagship February.
4: Wait, did you just say don't turn us on just off. yet? I said
1: just don't turn us off he just said yet.
2: On. He, he said, said on. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. right. You won't like us turned on. Oh,
1: my gosh. <laughs> tell <laughs> us about flagship February. Good boy, Dave. I'm
3: turned on right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of us first learned about uh, flagship February from a January 8th article in Forbes Magazine by Tara Noren, flagship February is the idea of Stephen Beaumont, a very famous, successful beer journalist. I just ordered one of his books. Boom. He's got 13. Basically, the annual sales of a lot of celebrated craft beers like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Anchor Steam, Sam Adams and... Boston Lager and stuff like that Have steadily declined year over year As people look for the next Big thing, Brute IPA No Even though those beers are a major part (laughs) Of what made the craft beer explosion Possible In that spirit, we'll cover some of those beers Plus we'll talk about beers That even though we may not drink them As much anymore Were at one time a huge part Of our beer journey Wow
1: You know, I think the one statistic we should have kept track of Maybe I should be
3: a famous beer writer.
1: Yeah. The amount of time that it takes you to order a beer from like 1972 to now, what's probably increased that like about 18-fold. Hang on a second. Uh, How many taps do you have? You know, I'm not really quite sure. Yeah. Well, uh,
0: Kendall's going to tell us the lineup for our flagship February beers. So the beers we'll be tasting and discussing today are Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Samuel Adams Boston Lager, Anchor Steam Beer, Brooklyn Lager, and Dale's Pale Ale. Plus, each host will have a special beer or two to introduce. The or two was for Juliana.
1: Did you say each beer is each uh, host is special or each beer <laughs> is special? I. I lost track of that. The
0: beers are special. Look, look around this table. I think, I'm not talking about these people.
3: We're all st- special people. <laughs> hit, the, hit
0: the buzzer.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: well, there are a lot of uh, desperate fools in this world, especially uh, Canadian hockey uh, teams. And all these beers oh, smell like Canadian hockey teams. We decided that Tim should read our sed ratings today channeling the Winnipeg Jets who are the most desperate hockey fans on the free planet to let us know what we're going to be talking about as we go through these beers today. Take it away. Good old boy, Tim.
2: All right. The ratings we'll be using are as follows. A one that sucks. Give me anything but a jet. Wow. Two. Was that a Zamboni? I think our demographics
1: changed in Canada.
2: Three. Ah, what a fight. (laughs) Four. A hockey stick should really not make that sound. (laughs) Uh, uh, And five. Listen to that hat trick. Give me another.
3: Hey, that one was clever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would
1: pass as a... Desperate Canadian football fan or uh, hockey fan. He didn't oh my say gosh. A Even enough. Worse. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You got to you know. say A more. Yeah, no, we definitely.
1: A
0: uh, yeah. boot. He do not know what he's talking about. That's aboot. for sure.
1: While well, we have uh, some really great beers to go over, we're going to talk about our flagship beers first that Kendall went over and our collective ratings for each of these beers. Up first is going to be the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Now, uh, a lot of people know these beers, so we're not going to read a description of them. We've actually gone back and tasted all these beers. So we have some fairly fresh tasting notes. Come back. These are some beers maybe that we don't taste on a, on a routine basis. I think probably the most interesting part of the tasting discussion was, wow, these are all exactly the same freaking color.
3: <laughs> I nice. mean, amber,
1: it is amber, amazing copper. how close all these beers are in terms of what they look like. Very were, clear.
0: You would not be able to pick out any of these beers just looking at them. The lagers, pales, and IPAs look exactly the same. Yeah. the, the, yeah. the fi- I noticed that right away. The five core that we were doing, just all are the same uh, color. I,
1: exactly identical.
0: I would. There's no
1: way you could stare at them and go, oh, yeah, I totally know.
0: And they smell different. But... Yeah.
1: So what do you think about the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale this time around? Amazing. Still amazing. Still the best. Classic. Mm-hmm i used a very common word across a lot of these beers sweet um and caramel like quality Mm -hmm. yeah uh, for a lot of these the one thing that uh for the uh sierra nevada very distinctive hop choice yeah those
0: cascade hops are
1: beautiful there's nobody else that has that particular hop profile and uh it is uh, definitely those uh, Cascade hops that you're like, wow, this is not like anything else uh, that, you know, I would taste at a hockey game. And,
0: it, it, and it's stunning that this beer has been around since the early 80s. I mean, it, it really is, to me, sets the bar for what craft beer is in America.
2: Yeah, it's refreshing to drink. I mean, it's, it kind of brings you back whenever you have it that the classic hop flavor, the classic kind of malt profile like i feel like people don't make uh pale ales with this kind of color anymore Mm -hmm. no but i'd buy this beer i mean i still do i probably
0: pick probably six seven times a year going through the Publix. i'll grab a six pack of sierra nevada pale ale because Hmm. it's just such a good classic beer you know uh, it's real privilege
1: that i actually got to meet ken grossman and uh you know I never have heard a lot of the history around the recipe, you know, for this beer. I know it's probably been written about ad nausea, and it's one of those things that I just have not taken the time. But I've got to believe that actually picking the Cascade hops was really tough for him to step out. Because, you know, when you look at the landscape of other things that were being created, you know, around that period of time, that was definitely not on the bud profile, um, you know, for anybody, was it?
2: No, I don't think so. But they were, you know, growing the crap out of those hops where he was living, where he's from. So yeah. it was something he was probably exposed to that a lot of us, especially on the East Coast, have not. So and,
1: part of it was maybe sourcing locally. Was yeah. And, a big
2: deal. He, he, and he was trying to push the boundary. I mean, he,
0: there's a great book called Beyond the Pale about the early history. And yeah, he was trying to do something nobody had ever done before. Hmm. Well, one thing is for sure
1: that beer definitely carried them into uh, being recognized worldwide, and uh, it's really cool. I've actually seen you know this beer in a lot of parts of the world now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's a great representation. Uh, when we think about flagship beers, this is somebody that really carries the craft beer flag, you yep. know, really well worldwide. America. I've heard
0: Absolutely. brewers say everybody that makes a pale ale is trying to recreate this beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our it's SUDS go-to. rating for this is going to be a four.
1: Uh, uh, we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Sip, SUDS, and Smokes. You know, they made another great choice to hang tough with this. <laughs> <Two>. <laughs> a lot better choice than most Canadian hockey fans have made. Oh, Ooh. yeah. And uh, today we're actually going through on this episode about flagship beers in uh, craft beer. We just talked a little bit about uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Um, if you didn't hear that rating before we left, it was a four. Uh, next up, we're actually going to talk about the Sam Adams Bossom Lager. Uh, this beer has definitely been around for uh, quite a while. Very distinctive. Um, and, you know, Sam Adams has actually become a very distinctive craft beer you know, player. I mean, they really... Command, you know, some pretty good market share. Uh, just the Boston Beer Company itself. Yep. So uh, it's pretty amazing what uh, what they've done. Just all starting with this one beer,
0: and it, it's a great contrast to the other beer we just had. Um, they're about, they've been around about the same time. They they came from different coasts, but they both in everybody's minds were probably the original American craft beers: Boston Lager and uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. They yeah. looked exactly the same. Yeah, they did.
1: <laughs> Uh, the first thing I wrote down was squeaky clean. Holy cow, you know. And I, it's just indicative of a, a huge change from going with a nail to a lager. And I really think this was a great introduction of how a lager can be made on scale and have it widely available. Yeah. Um, you know, that still has a lot of body and character to it.
3: What's well, a Vienna-style lager, and I think yeah. that's one yeah. of your favorite styles, Julian. Yeah,
4: it is. I mean, and to me, this just screams out new england because if you think about new england you think about all of the seafood and just this good clean lager just makes all of that seafood just shine mm-hmm. and i was it's, thinking
1: about pissed off people on high taxes but that's all right <laughs> i was thinking about freezing <laughs> and loathing, your and <laughs> loathing sensibility re- for all things red socks but that's okay
2: chowder <laughs> or wondering why it's snowing in april and you're stuck inside <laughs> correct
4: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. You just don't like the snow, but I mean, to me, it's just a it's a part of like breathing up there. You know, I mean, I remember going to baseball games when I was of drinking age, and Sam Adams was everywhere, and you know, it was it was just what you had.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy to how this beer it it just makes me think of cold weather and like you like that good seafood and things like that and then sierra nevada it's like grab it and go surfing or grab it and go on a hike and do this and it's pushing the envelope and i mean that's you know that's what people going out west was and it's crazy that these two beers embody that for me like
3: now sam adams is when i go to places that maybe don't have a great beer list yep they almost always still have Boston Lager. So if Mm -hmm. nothing Mm -hmm. else, you can get a Boston Lager and drink that. It's a great
0: airport beer. For those airports that haven't caught up yet and aren't serving craft beer, you can always find Sam Adams Boston Lager. Definitely, yeah. Uh, The one other thing I wrote down
1: on my taste profile is really big finish. You know, a lot of these beers, you know, really have this super short finish about them. And that's the one thing about, uh, you know, the, uh St. adams boston lager is to me i think it has like a really huge finish to it it's like hey you just had taste of something great you know i'm gonna hang around here you know for an extra second or two so um
4: and you know what's great about all of these beers that we have is that they're still relevant today i mean in the craft beer industry we have extremes You know, we have Mm -hmm. extreme hops, we have extreme lactose, we have extreme fruits, we have extreme malts, but what's really cool about all of these is you can still, you can still drink it today, and you're like, yeah.
0: Because honestly, I'm I'm getting palate fatigue from some of the craziness going on, and that's why I my Mm -hmm. go-to Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah, go go back to balance.
4: Thank God they're still around, you know, and never stop brewing.
1: Well, our uh, Sudge rating for the Sam Adams Boston Lager is going to be a three. Up next, uh, we have a total cornerstone of the entire craft beer movement, which is Anchor Steam Beer. Um, what you guys think about this? It's beautiful.
4: Love, love, <laughs> love, love.
0: Yeah, and, and just looking at the history, Sierra Nevada, Sam Adams... They everybody thinks of them as the original craft beer breweries, no, and Anchor really. no. was doing it long before. Yes. Anchor was a big inspiration for Ken Grossman at Sierra. Uh, yeah. Anchor's been doing it longer than anybody. Yeah, they started seven or something.
2: I was going to say the early seventies. I know in in seventy six they came out with Liberty Ale for the bicentennial. So they came out with that was America's first pale ale. Um, was the Liberty Ale, and it was to celebrate. The bicentennial of Paul Revere's ride. So a very innovative
1: process that they have, uh, you know, making this beer itself. And part of it was a combination of the innovation in both production of this beer as well as the ingredients that they chose for this. was really presenting a very innovative uh, taste profile, unlike uh, many of the other beers um, that were on the market, which were uh, German recipes that had been adapted to American ingredients the uh, ingredients uh, in Anchor Steam were all fairly native uh, to uh, to the U.S.
4: And just the style alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on how many how many small towns were making steam beers? No, they were making just regular lagers, yeah. you know. And to be able to come out with something so novel at that time, when you really didn't have so much variety. I, I just, I, I, I mean, my hat's off.
0: And that's a great thing about this beer, too, is the style itself is one of the truly indigenous American beer styles. Yeah. It's totally, totally creative and innovative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so
1: there's been uh, some interesting drama that's happened around Anchor Steam, you know, over the years, certainly because they've been around quite a while, but they've also gone through a lot of uh, modifications and merger and acquisition um, over time, and... Yet, uh, this beer still remains uh, very, you know, as a pillar uh, within their overall portfolio. Um, I think probably the only thing that's disappointing about Anchor is it's just not more widely available. Um, It's one of those uh, flagship beers that just didn't enjoy uh, the broad distribution that a lot of these other beers uh, really did.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I've always loved them for their, their balance. And I think of Sierra Nevada is the same way in that. And they didn't, they didn't have to sell anything on hype, you know, Anchor and Sierra also, they would put out their porter and they called it a porter. They'd put out a small beer and they called it a small beer. Their Bach was a Bach, you know, their stout was a stout. They didn't boring. Yeah. uh, But it's about the beer. It's not about the marketing. Unfortunately, I think that's why it's taken a hit lately in the past couple of years. But If you're looking to get into beer or if you already know how to appreciate beer, I don't see how you can't enjoy these beers. Well,
4: exactly. There's something to be said for something that's really true to style. You know, again, we're in this era of excess. Everything is excessive, you know, taste bud overload. But really, if you get back to basics, I think they are, you know, so traditional. And that's something that I think we all need to be reminiscent of.
3: Well, some of these beers are the actual
2: example
3: of the style that people
2: write. <laughs> yeah, <get prepared>. yeah <laughs>
4: exactly. Yeah, yeah, when you look at the style guidelines, it's you're like, going to oh, see their name.
2: If you make this beer, you hit it on the nose. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Well, our Assets rating for the Anchor Steam beer is going to be a three.
2: <laughs>
1: next up, uh, and actually uh, I had a question to throw out uh, to you guys before we move to our next beer. I'm sorry, I talk to you about it in advance. So as a home brewer, uh, when you think about some of the early recipes that you worked with, were any of these flagship beers, were they models for you to say, I know this is going to be on the shelf. If I can make that, then I know that I can at least hit a a bar, you know, in terms of quality. And then maybe I can move on to other things. Do you think that's a common approach? You guys are all nodding your head. So. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally,
4: totally. I mean, I, I can't speak for anybody else in the room, but for me, you know, when I'm looking at BJCP guidelines and I'm looking at what the standards are, I'm going to, when I first started, I was drinking the crap out of that beer to get that flavor profile in my head and saying, okay, so I need to brew it just like this. I need to make it just like this. You know, and then I always set my whatever I made. I always held it up to that standard.
3: Yeah, and a lot of home brewers make clone brews. You know, and like there's a whole thing around like trying to clone recipes because mm-hmm. not all breweries will share the exact recipe. So. People are like, well, I think you need to use this hop, and oh, you try using this malt, but only this much, or yeah. whatever, to kind of tweak the flavor until people figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, do
1: you remember which beer you chased first? Uh, Maybe in this, you know, portfolio to chase when you were making some of your early homebrew beers. Oh, my,
0: mine was Two Hearted. I love Two-Hearted Ale, and Mm. and I got my recipe down pretty darn close. You know, it it is like, you know, the Centennial hot beer, you know, ever, you know.
1: I can't think of any better reference profile than that. Founder Centennial is not bad either. (laughs) It's true. Uh, How about it, Tim? Yeah.
2: Yeah. um, Honestly, I was never a clone brew brewer. Um, In my mind, a lot of times... I knew I wasn't going to make a better beer than what I was going to go buy. And so the main thing I drew out of it, uh, Lagunitas IPA is what comes to mind for me in terms of like, okay, how do I make this malt taste good, but these hops really shine and pop? And that is something that was kind of hard to figure out. So
1: you were copying a style, not the beer.
2: Yeah, and then when I started homebrewing, honestly, I was just looking to make flavors that I couldn't really find. Mm. Um, But I remember Lagunitas IPA specifically was like getting that fresh, just the fresh hop flavor was just shining through the whole thing and so Mm -hmm. it was kind of like what can I do to to make that and not to make just a muddled flavor which is what you find a lot of homebrew. How about a Juliana?
4: For me it was stouts I had this love affair with Guinness and I, when I started brewing I had just come back from a trip to Ireland and was just fascinated by what they did over there and was like you know what, I gotta make this I gotta make this my own so that's when I got knee-deep into the brewing.
3: Hmm. Interesting. How about it, Dave? Um, I was kind of more like Tim. I never really wanted to try to re- recreate too many beers at the stores. It was always about like making something that I had in my own mind about uh, style or yeah. flavor profile. Hmm. I know some of the story of some
1: of our hosts that are not here. Caperdon would say, I wasn't trying to copy anything. I'm just trying to make the
2: world's best saison. What's um, <laughs> wrong with that? <laughs> Caperdon would say, there are nearly enough saisons, so I need to do my part. Right. Exactly. Um, I would say
1: that uh, Reverend Mark would probably say, the world needs a better MyBach and I'm going to make it. <laughs> he and did. He did. He just crushed it. so um, I remember uh, probably a good 20 recipes of Maibach he went through, and um, I... Probably loved every single one of them, which I was so I was no help giving them feedback of going, I just love every single (laughs) one of these. So, well, next up, uh, we're actually talking about an innovator um, in changing some of the packaging, and that is Dale's Pale Ale. Um, Probably the most uh, innovative aspect of what they did is they went back to the can. So, bottles were all the rage um, in terms of packaging, and everybody was claiming the bottle is a superior packaging you know vessel and you know long necks and brown bottles you know were everything all the rage and they really stuck very true to packaging in a can so much so that the <laughs> there it is <laughs> there you go uh it's so more much so that uh oh. <laughs> actually the uh the consortium where uh both they and uh cigar city is called canarchy um and so they've really uh, not only embraced the packaging, they actually claimed it as a form of corporate identity. So what would you guys think about uh, Dale's Palo here today?
4: I love it. I mean, this is another one, and I think it's because I've been to the brewery, and, you know, once you're there, you, like, totally get everything that is about...
1: It's all about skee-ball.
4: Yeah, well...
1: (laughs) 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 No, but even...
4: But, like, you... I just totally got it you know like I've always like liked it and sort of was on the fence and then like I went there and I'm like yeah now I totally understand
0: yeah I, I love it um, and it, you see the progression of the industry in this I mean this is a what I would call maybe a third generation craft brewer they found were founded in the early 2000s about 20 years after Sierra Nevada right and a lot of similarities with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale but sure. Dale's put their own unique twist on it use of yeah. different hop varieties it's a little more bitter
2: yeah uh, but much more bitter
0: I, I think one of the things that kept Dale's going in the early days just was the can. People, people that need wanted to buy beer in a can, like for taking out. On a boat or something like that, they'll go, oh, I'll try this. Well, that's probably and then, why it worked, too. And, yeah. But they made good beer, too. If it had yeah. right. been bad beer in a can, it wouldn't have sold. They yeah. were always
2: making great beer.
3: But like uh, them being in Colorado, you know, the outdoor lifestyle and everybody's yeah, unless, running unless, around.
2: Unless you spent time in Colorado, you might not fully appreciate the like truly outdoor aspect of that entire state. Yeah. I mean it's it's I mean it's gorgeous. The whole state's outdoors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole state is outdoors last time I was there as well. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I suppose it's California where everything's indoors. I oh. got them big old hills and stuff. Well, actually in Minnesota isn't the whole place indoors. True. But, but you I mean, it, it was a huge jump, I think, for them going to a can and the beer had to be that much better to not be mistaken for just some other any other American beer that was in a can at the time that they started canning? Uh, very crushable. Um I I
1: would consider this uh, very malter. But it's that bitter finish It's really I yeah, think it's a very a lot unique of bitterness. characteristic. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Around dales here so. Yeah,
4: and it just reminds me of the outdoors and it reminds me of Colorado. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, they pretty much set the standard for all of these other breweries that have come online since then about how portable accessible and perfect it is to have their beer in a can
2: i mean we see right next to it here's the dogfish uh dogfish had 90 minute and i see i don't think i've seen that in a can actually and that blows my mind and there's no way they'd ever do that if it wasn't for dale right i mean true
4: yeah exactly
2: well uh
1: You should definitely uh, take an opportunity to go back to the uh, original site in Colorado. Let's see. They're not in Fort Collins. They're in Longmont. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I knew they were close. Um, And uh, one other uh, factoid is uh, the original Crowler machine uh, was actually created right there at Dale's. So if you want to know where the Crowler was created... Uh, should definitely uh, listen to the story
0: as well as uh, hang out and have a great uh, game at uh, skee Ball for sure. Yeah. yeah. And the cool thing about that is they could have kept that to themselves. Yeah. Dale's basically gave that to the industry. It's it's really cool.
1: Yeah. Our uh, SUDGE rating for Dale's Pale Ale is going to be a four. Uh, uh, uh. We have one more flagship beer that we named out first, which was the Boston Lager, Brooklyn. 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 I'm sorry. Brooklyn lager. Same difference. Hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. We,
2: we already talked about Boston. Come on. Hey, now.
1: Tough guy. Hey, sorry. Right. Where's the salami sandwich? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, what you guys think of uh, the Brooklyn lager
3: here? I liked it better than Tim's
2: accent. Yeah.
4: <laughs> minimalism. Sets the
2: bar pretty low.
4: This is like minimalism at its best. This is like, it, it just encompasses to me what New York is about.
2: Yeah, New York is very minimalist. I agree. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had a rat climb out of mine. That's why I think it simplifies <laughs> New York.
2: Yeah, the price of mine went up three times since I've been sitting here. <laughs> it, in, in some ways, it's you see similarities with
0: Sam. It's it's clean. It's got that lager flavor, very caramelly. It uh, yeah. took it a different direction. they using, a, I'm guessing, more American hops than the, the noble hop Sam uses. Uh, But it's truly unique. It's been around. I think everybody that's been drinking craft beer for a long time has uh, a warm spot in their heart for a Brooklyn lager. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cleaner than the Sam beer. Well, um, I think what's interesting is
1: that they really showed that you could make great beer in a city setting. When you look at all these other folks, excuse me, when you look at a lot of these other breweries, you know, they were um in a in an environment where they had a lot more room you know they had real estate to work with and definitely the uh, access and water quality issue you know that they were yeah. working with in a lot of these other locations is very different you know this is brooklyn and uh you know really trying to transverse running an industrial brewery in the middle of a very urban setting you know presented a lot of uh, interesting challenges and I, I, I think it's just really amazing, you know, how well uh, they navigated this and created a just a very consistent product, you know, yeah. time and time and time again. And really, uh, I think, sh- you know, demonstrated that we don't really have to import really great beer into the city. We can make it right here in our backyard. Yeah, exactly. Know? Well, we'll be right back in just one moment. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode on The Sud Show, we're discussing flagship beers uh, in the uh, craft beer industry, and uh, we're going through a list of beers that we named earlier. We're on the last one, which was the Brooklyn Lager. And uh, part of what uh, uh, we wanted to pick up the conversation was is that um, Garrett Oliver is the uh, was the a brewer for this beer originally and
2: uh, I think
1: it was the first time where uh, up until um, this point when beer was all about branding you know it was about uh, you know some catchy jingle or it was about the packaging and so all of a sudden the connection with you know again it was a bit of that experience where you're connecting the Manufacturer, the maker of the product, you know, with the brand itself, and I thought Garrett really kind of broke that mold. Um, you know, uh, you know, I just I really think that was probably one of the more innovative things I thought they brought to the table. In addition to making a really great beer,
4: yeah. You know, I Kendall and I were talking about this just a minute ago about how. Blackstone Brewery here in Nashville had this anniversary and they ha- and they brought the guys from Brooklyn down too. And I remember him talking about the logo and how long it took him to get the logo. and he wanted to incorporate everything that was New York and everything that was local because he was so proud of making something in that big city you know that would encompass everything that's Brooklyn. And whenever I see that logo, you know, I'm thinking about baseball and I'm thinking about Brooklyn, New York, and I'm thinking about my Yankees and yeah. you know, it's just love. It was a, it's it was a, a r- lot of love.
2: Really well known designer that did it. I can't remember. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, exactly. It was someone incredibly famous. So yep. they paid a nice pretty penny for it. But you're right. I see it and it's like, let's play baseball in the forties. Yeah. You know? Uh, you guys know the Yankee Stadium is not in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: but still right next to the Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> um but i get your point uh which is you know i think that uh it was really a matter of uh claiming uh geographic identity um you know i think that ken grossman had done that you know and really taking on uh sierra nevada both in, in terms of branding but the thing is, is that that beer was out there for a long time. Nobody knew who Ken was, right. you know? Yeah. Well, and the same thing is true for a lot of these beers. You know, nobody knew who was behind Anchor. And and so, th- to me, that was the big difference is that Garrett stepped out and said, I made this beer,
2: you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe it's just because I I still have this love in my heart. But I go back, L- Lagunitas was the same way. Like, their marketing was so distinct that whether it was the actual picture of the ipa or the little crazy paragraphs tony would write when he was super stoned and (laughs) thought it was super funny but but you're right garrett garrett did the same yeah and and so you whether it's that or this with brooklyn or lagunitas or whatever you identify with it and that's i think that's part of it is like julie said you see it and you're like wow that brings me back to baseball or something to do with my childhood or or whatever. Or
4: surfing or the first time you're at a bar or whatever. Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. And that's I think that's why so many of these beers resonate with all of us still to this day. Mm. Our suds rating for Brooklyn Lager is going to be a three.
1: (laughs) Well, one of the other things that we've done in addition to discussing these uh, flagship beers is each of the hosts has selected a flagship beer of their own to introduce and talk about today. We were going to go around the table, get to as many of these as we can. Good old boy Tim is up first.
2: Yeah, the beer that I brought was this is actually a full sale. It's um, it's a full sale IPA. I was trying to get the full sale amber, which is one of the f- probably the first craft beer I ever heard of. Uh, my dad, who's not a craft beer guy at all, went to Oregon for a bunch of business trips and fell in love with full sale amber, and he would have his friends that came back to the east coast to connecticut or new york bring full sale amber with them just so he could drink it and um full sale started in 1987 they're in hood river so they're now it's one of the premier places for craft beer and uh, they honestly started it all they i remember their labels would always say it's you know employee owned and they would have a line they would write the number of employees at the time of bottling and it'd grow from 20 to 40 to 47 was a big number, and uh, I think they've since been purchased and are owned by some other people. But you know, I remember in the early 90s hearing about Full Sail and Full Sail Amber. I didn't didn't try any until later, and I'm glad that we get it in Nashville. I won't say that I drink it tons, but seeing that is just the first reminder ahead of of anything independent that was beer in the United States. Uh, so, one quick thing I forgot to uh, introduce. So, one of the things that
1: we did as the co-host brought these uh, flagship beers, we tasted these blind and wrote down some of our tasting notes. So, uh, this uh, this beer is T for Tim. T for Tim. Uh So, um, it was interesting. Almost all of these, I had, uh, again, some very similar uh, adjectives and tasting notes. Sweet. <laughs> Um, again, um, but hops and a very sweet finish uh, was part of what I wrote around this particular beer. What else did you guys think of Full Sail here?
0: Yeah, it was sweeter than I expected. It's it's a solid beer. Um, not one of my favorite Full Sales. I'm a big fan of their pale ale. Um, they make some they yeah. make some great stuff. They do make really good beers. They make good session. Yeah, yeah. if yeah. you're ever in Hood River, definitely stop by here for sure. You you want to hit Full Sail and you want to hit Frame. Fram
2: Fram.
3: Frame. frame 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 frame.
2: I did think this beer was sweet. Yeah, you can taste the the old school hops. Um, oh yeah,
4: but there's nothing wrong with that.
2: No, absolutely not. No. Yes. Yeah, Give me little bitterness little with my light, hops.
3: Light citrus. I mean, it's nice. It is a nice. It's, an, beer. it's a very easy to drink IPA. What's the ABV on this? Like six? Exactly. Yeah,
1: probably something yeah, like six. that. Well, um, we're going to actually rate uh, all these beers on the fly. And uh, our rating here for the full sale is going to be a three. Uh, up next is Good Old Boy Kendall. What uh, flagship
0: beer uh, did Kendall, you bring? go? This okay. one should be easy. What to pick number up because what? of color? It's a uh, Q for quality. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, this is oh one of my, my. <laughs> go-to all-time favorite beers. Um, And uh, it's—I'm not sure you would call this a flagship. Maybe it is Deschutes flagship, but this this is cream ale. The Deschutes Black Butte Porter, (laughs) so um, black cream ale. You know they're also known for their Mirror Pond Pale Ale and a few other beers, but I I bet Black Butte, Obsidian Stout, yeah, yeah, Obsidian Stout is nice. But this this one is the one you see everywhere, and I think it's a great example of an American porter. Uh, Anytime I see, they still don't sell it in Tennessee. So anytime I see it, I pick some up. Um, mm. It's just one of my go tos that I've been drinking for as long as I can remember.
1: Yeah,
3: chocolate, little nutty, little roasty, a slight
2: smoke. Anyone else yeah. getting some yeah. smoke yeah. in there? Yeah. Little smoke.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, uh, one of the things I recall uh, when I'm really always trying to tune up for a particular uh, for a beer judging competition is uh, when I'm looking through the BJCP guideline about the commercial examples of the categories. Uh, Porter is something that I've judged an awful lot. Um, in beer competitions and there are two reference beers that i always go back to and this is one of them uh the other is the saint charles porter right. from blackstone brewery yeah, yeah. um i don't think you can get two finer examples of what is an american porter than uh both of those beers
3: they're probably the two most award-winning american oh yeah i think you're
1: are. right yeah um probably the deschutes version is a bit lighter um, you know, in in terms of the presentation of the beer and of the roast, mm-hmm. but I like that a lot. It doesn't have that full Tootsie roll uh, c- component of sweetness around it, and
0: actually, I think that's a redeeming quality. I think it has a little more of that American hop character than the St. Charles or some others. But and I think that's because of their location, right there in Oregon, yeah. where they've got access to all those great hops.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not they're not the same beer, but they're both two great examples. Right. Uh, great uh, flagship beer for sure uh
1: let's rate up the uh the deschutes uh porter here and let's call it a four uh, uh suggerating for uh, uh, the uh, deschutes Porter alrighty uh, let's keep moving right around good old gal Juliana. Your first All right. one? Well, yeah, my yeah, first. Yeah, the first
4: of 5. Okay. So, no. <laughs> it's what, actually what letter, two. What letter and are
2: we an letter honorable
4: gonna... mention. The first one is W. Okay. For yeah. winner.
2: Winner. That, winner, Lebat yeah. dinner. No,
4: no, not Lebat. Like, no.
2: It smells like a golden jig. Like
4: I couldn't find any Molson Triple X. <laughs> okay, folks. Sorry. That Sorry. have not a good choice. So I'm going with my first one is Yingling Lager. I am a mm. Pennsylvania girl. You'll hear that all the time. And I am very proud of this beer. I mean, this is what <clears throat> sadly I drank in high school, but we won't go into that.
3: Hey, man. It's, it's just, easy, you know, it's, it's a
4: classic. Beer. It's a very easy drinking beer. And it's what, to me, got me started you know, slowly on my path.
1: You know, the thing that I always think about uh, with yingling is just the of uh, v- excellent quality of, of loggers in those caves.
4: Exactly. Um,
1: and, you know, really thinking about a lot of the caves within um, the St. Louis area that were utilized, you know, sure. for a lot of the early loggers.
4: Sure, in Wisconsin. As they I were mean being yeah brought
1: over, you know, in a lot of those recipes. And a lot of people, de- you know, it's kind of struggling with the geography of the whole concept, you know, here in the U.S. because it's a much warmer climate and more humid than uh, within Germany. And, you know, they're really seeking, uh, trying to replicate a lot of the, the quality. And Yingling was one of the uh, first to pull it off consistently. Um, and they survived the onslaught of a lot of the Screwing around with the recipes. Yeah. Uh, to me, this was a, a really excellent transplant of a super solid, you know, German recipe.
4: Sure. And it's an amber lager at that, too, yeah. you know, which is something yeah. that those other places in St. Louis weren't quite doing. So, no, not at all. No, I mean, so props to them for going into the amber territory. Which we all know is a redhead stepchild, yeah. It's a, so to speak. It's well, tough, you can't
3: make amber loggers with a bunch of corn and rice, so. right? Right. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's gonna fall yeah. flat.
4: So I mean, you know, I'm lucky enough to be growing up in an area where we had this in our backyard.
3: Yingling yeah. is pretty impressive. Uh, established 1829. They're still, like, owned by the family. And right. Like they've maintained yeah. independence. And that,
0: that's one reason I'll still buy Yingling
2: from time to time, just because I love the idea it's an independent family-owned brewery. Merck. I mean, th- I remember people coming from states with Yingling and telling people from states without it to bring it. This is this is the beer we want because it's better than Bud. And I this remember is, that in college. Yeah. This,
3: <laughs> people were like... You guys don't have yingling down here? I'm oh, like, sorry, dude. Heck, you guys do not bring a
2: case I, was, for us. I
4: was so upset when I moved this is, down here. It's and probably
2: the find best yingling. yingling I've had in a while. It can be kind of hit or miss, to be honest. I so, call it the
3: entertaining
1: beer because I, I watch yeah. people try to pronounce this and I just really get a kick out
3: of it. Part of the <laughs> I, what, what you got, Tim, I think is because these were in a can. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people uh-huh. buy it in the bottle and you can get a little bit of the oxidation. Or even. Levels. Yeah, and draft too. Yeah. So I think can is the way to go. Mm.
1: So, uh, what would you guys think here of uh, the Yingling beer? You don't
0: count, Juliana. So, uh, <laughs> she's holding
1: up all ten fingers. We're going to go with a three uh, as the, uh, our set rating for the Yingling uh, lager.
4: Okay, so. and because I'm a little extra, I had to go with... <laughs> oh, <thank> <laughs> <laughs> you knew that. That's oh, why still, I'm like... Still
3: your turn. Yeah. She's yeah. Still, had to put up with a lot today. <laughs> I know. I have.
4: You know, stupid hockey comments. All
3: right. What
2: is Day? Z? So, this is Z z z
4: z is the dogfish 90 i just Ooh. i wanted to talk oh yes wow. yes, yes whatever <laughs> That's you quite know a
3: transition from the England yeah days. whatever
4: sure. so lewis delaware is very near and dear to my heart because we would summer there every year and we summered when, at the beach Yeah, that was it. It was Barnegat's Light or it was Lewis, Delaware. That's what we did.
3: Flee the peasants and go to the beach. (sighs) Whatever. Where are you
2: summering, Dave?
3: (laughs) The Cape? No, no, Lewis, (laughs) Delaware. I summer in Gallatin
2: where I winter and fall. Oh, hey, we're in Delaware.
4: Wow. But, anyways, I was so, so, so excited. About, you know, hearing that there was going to be a brewery and just falling in love with the whole dogfish mantra and the analogness and the traditional, like, but outside the boxness of them. Dogfish is
2: awesome. I know. They are. So
4: I wanted to show my love for Sam.
2: Well,
1: you know, I think uh, if I had to say somebody was um, a bit of a band leader in leading the hop war, you know, it was definitely Sam Calcioni in saying, you know what, I think the American palate can be stretched, uh, you know, to the point where uh, most brewers would say, that is way too much hops, you know, and yet, I remember chasing this beer all over the freaking place, sure. you know, yeah. it was difficult to find, yeah. it was difficult yeah. to find fresh, and... I remember trading for it. I mean, I just remember just the phonetic craze that was you know, going on around this beer.
4: But everything that he has done has been outside the box, mm-hmm. but it's been still sort of refined, you know? And I got to give him props for that and how both him and these other breweries that we have been talking about have evolved and been able to evolve over the years and still be relevant.
2: Well, I, th- I think so his great. biggest advantage is... Like, and to these other people's credit, all the Fritz Maytag, Tony, Oliver, you know, Ken Grossman—they're—they're they're following their own mind, their own heart, and they're not—they're not letting any of the walls get in their way. I mean, Sam is—is is, he just does some crazy stuff that you're like, that's never going to work, and maybe it doesn't work, but he keeps doing it, and then he gets it to work, and then you have no choice but to enjoy it and respect what he's done. I'm yeah. Still, tr- still trying to get my head wrapped around Midas Touch.
4: Yeah! Wow.
1: <laughs> he, I mean, he lets his free flag fly. You know, our uh, SUDS rating here for uh, the uh, ninety-minute IPA is going to be a four. Uh, uh, really great beer. Well, we're not going to get enough time to get to Dave or <clears throat> our
0: or my flagship. We want to do it. In, like, what are those beers though? Can we at least know?
3: I had Rogue Dead Guy.
0: Oh, it's a classic. Oh, that's yeah, good one. And I had Moosehead Lager. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> I
2: smelled that skunky
3: <laughs> lager.
4: <laughs> okay, but Rogue Dead Guy 4.
2: Yeah, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Great beer, yeah.
4: And then what about the uh,
1: moose? Uh, Let's discuss that. 2 3 2
4: it's
1: it's 2 better, It's better okay. fresh. Yeah, yeah, it is better fresh. <laughs> Well, uh, really a fascinating um, episode all the way around. You should really come back and uh, go back and taste some of those beers that got you into craft beer. That's right. This was, we've not done this collectively. We've probably done it individually just every now and then. Great experience, mm-hmm. though, You know all the way around. Absolutely. It was right. a lot of fun. Thank hey, you, Mr. Uh, Beaumont. You uh, found us today, um, which is really great. And we'll be right back here at the same place where you found us next week. We're on Radio Satellite Online at iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, and nearly any place that you can listen to a podcast. The easiest way to find this show on your phone is ask anybody on their Alexa, Siri, Google Play Podcasts, Sipsuds, Suds, and Smokes.
3: We love your feedback and you can reach us online at info at sip, sipsudsandsmokes.com.
0: Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter and Instagram every day at sip Smokes, and our Facebook page is always
2: buzzing with lots of news. We know you're busy, but please, please take this time to rate this episode if you're listening online. Five stars. Five, five stars. Five good old boy stars. Dave. Thanks for being here.
3: Check me out on Instagram at good old boy Dave.
2: Good old boy Tim. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I love tasting these classic beers. Uh, good old boy
0: Kendall tell us a little bit about your blog here my beautiful wife and I blog about the good news of good beer at beermakes three dot com and we're also on Instagram go to Gal Joiana. thank you for being here
4: thank you do me a favor guys stay in your local town and find your local beers
1: <laughs> this is good old boy Mike asking you to come back join us once again and I will ask you to keep on sipping